This is the CCOH podcast brought to you by Community Church of Hudson, located in Hudson, Iowa. Join us in our conversations with any questions or thoughts by submitting them to podcast at ccohonline.org. For more information about Community Church of Hudson, please visit our website at www.ccohonline.org. Hey, thanks again, everybody, for joining us here once again on the CCOH podcast. Pastor Dustin here, along with Pastor Chip. And again, today we're still talking about the uh, awesome uh, sermon series that we've been in on in the past couple weeks now in Jacob Wrestling with God. Uh, once again, get your WWE tickets to see Jacob Wrestle with God uh, only here at podcast.ccohonline.org. Just kidding. Do not do that. Um, but, however, we still want you to email us, though, if you have any thoughts or uh, t- uh, comments or, you know, just anything that's on your heart uh, as you're listening to this podcast. And, you know, we want you to be able to, you know, join in our conversations here. Again, that email address is podcast at ccohonline.org. And again, we'd love for you to be a part of this conversation with us. So, again, we're continuing in this series on uh, Jacob in the book of Genesis. Um, today, we're going to kind of look at chapter 25. Uh, 29 through 34 in the book of Genesis and also chapter 27. So Pastor Chip, just give us a quick rundown as to, uh, you know, what what some of your thoughts were in the sermon uh, for from this Sunday and uh, maybe just give us a little bit uh, more information, um, you know, from maybe the listeners who haven't listened to last week's about the Jacob series here and God's providence on that one. Sure. Well, we talked about you know, as we started the series last week, we we talked about just that God's provision and His providence in our lives, which essentially is the idea of His divine care for us. And you know, one of the big takeaways, probably for the whole series, will be that of that it doesn't really matter how you start in life; it matters how you end. And you know, Jacob is really the perfect story of that, the perfect account of how his life kind of got started off to a uh, rough, bumpy, weird start. And then ultimately, though, it was how God worked through his life and, and created the plan that he had for the people of Israel and ultimately for us as we sit thousands of years later. It sounds good. And uh, sorry, Ed, were you going to keep going? No. You're no? Good. Okay. Okay. <laughs> again, one of those blooper moments here on the CCOH podcast. You just heard it here. Um, but again, let, let, let's talk. Let's talk on the fact here. Now, now that we get into Jacob himself. Um, last week we had talked about Isaac and Rebecca, and again God's providence on that end. But now we get into Jacob and his his whole story here. Um, we're going to kind of skip the birth a little bit because you know everybody's born. Of course, but let, let's we're going to dive into his story here in, in 29 through 34. Um, in, in, if you're reading in your Bibles, we have an ESV version. The, the headline of, of the, this portion of scripture is Esau sells his birthright. Um, so let's let's talk about just these five, six verses here as Esau sells his birthright and then maybe kind of give us some background and maybe a little more detail as to about the birthrights and all that stuff here. Well, this is, it's just an interesting little exchange. It really is in the grand scheme of the story. It's sort of an aside. It's, you know, it's only five verses and it's just uh, apparently on paper anyway, a really quick exchange between Esau and Jacob. And essentially what you have is you have twin brothers uh, who 
one, Esau is more of the hunter-gatherer type, and Jacob is the planter-sower type. Um, and so really quickly, the exchange is after Esau has been hunting, and he's tired, and he's hungry, and he's, you know, f- close to death, according to his, you know, hyperbole and, and uh, melodrama in his statements. And he asked Jacob for a bowl of soup, apparently, that he's cooking, and Jacob takes advantage of the moment and says, I'll give you a bowl of soup, but you have to sell me your birthright. And really for us, that means almost nothing, um, especially in the Western part of the world. You know, we don't really consider much about inheritance and all of that. I mean, for some of us, we may have rich relatives or come from a family of means, and there's been some battle about inheritance. But Generally, it's it's relatively evenly distributed um, to the descendants. In the time of Jacob and Esau, the birthright was the right of the oldest. It was very much um, a hierarchical thing that your birth order mattered in what you received upon the death of your father or the distribution of the estate. And really, it's ultimately twice. So... You know, in my case, I have the youngest of three. My sister, oldest sister, would have gotten twice. So let's just use round numbers. My mom, you know, dies with a million-dollar estate. She doesn't have one, by the way. But she dies with one, and it's distributed. Well, my oldest sister gets half of that. So she would get twice as much as either my middle sister or I. So she would start with half a million then the other two would get a quarter of a million. So really what that what's this boils down to is that for Jacob and Esau, when Isaac dies, Jacob was due really half of what, what, he, what was coming to Esau. So in this moment, Jacob takes advantage of Esau's struggle and says, sell me your birthright. So what just happened is it flipped and Jacob became the one with the birthright According to him, the rest of the story takes place in the other portion of Scripture. But ultimately, he's given the birthright. So whatever would been would have been given to Esau would now be Jacob. So he would come out of the inheritance with the better end of the bargain. Um, and this is interesting because we talked a little bit about it yesterday. But in chapter 25, when we're seeing the birth of Esau and Jacob and the Bible says that they're wrestling within Rebecca. Um, and so Rebecca asks, you know, inquires of the Lord about this, and he quotes, or he says in, in verse 23 of chapter 25, he says, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. So we see this prophecy of God about the two children in her womb starting to come about as we get to this portion of the birthright. Well, you know, and and here's another portion, like just before this prophecy here that God gives you, or uh, gives us in the Bible here. First off, I'm just thinking to myself, man, Jacob's a trickster. He's a little bit of a trickster. And I, I, you know, when you some read some of these characters about in the Bible, you know, you don't think that they're going to pull like a fast one or they're going to pull, you know, something to trick you out of it. Mm -hmm. But Jacob pulls this little stunt on Esau, and Esau is just like, well, okay, I'm hungry for soup, so I'll just go get myself some soup. 
but you know, and and, and it's and it's also uh, interesting too. Again, with this prophecy, two nations are in your womb. Again, this is verse twenty three in uh, Genesis twenty five. Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. Uh, the one shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. So, you know, let's talk, let's talk on this end here too, um, because I know a little bit, kind of, about the Jacob and Esau birth, and even again the birthright. Esau was, obviously was born first, as mentioned prior to the <laughs> twenty-nine through thirty-four verses, but. Um, you know, let, let's let's talk on this end too of why they would fight maybe within the womb, or why in this case, you know, there's this hostility between the two brothers right from the start in, in the womb, even before the start, I guess. And then maybe let's kind of shift it also into you know uh, as we're talking into 27 of where this goes from here as well. So let, let's touch on all this here. Can we do that? You know, we're not given a whole lot about why during the pregnancy or whatever there's this wrestle, but what we are, what we do see play out through the rest of their story is the appearance, anyway, of favoritism. Uh, it becomes fairly clear that uh, Isaac prefers Esau over Jacob. Now, that part of the that's probably played out in two ways number one, he's the oldest, and number two, he's more of the woodsman, the hunter. Um, so probably conjecture, but probably related more to Isaac in that way. And Jacob being Rebecca's favorite for, again, whatever reason. And, um, you know, we're not totally given the whys, but we see how it plays out over time that this is the way it's going to be. And so when we fast forward a little bit to chapter 27, what we're seeing here, so when they were born, Isaac was 60 years old. Um, so, you know, not a, not a young man when he's having kids, but people back then lived a little bit longer. Um, and so he's, you know, he's, he's uh, in chapter 27, it gives a real kind of important statement to what we'll talk about in the rest. But in the first verse, it says, when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim, so that he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son, and he answered, here I am. And he said, behold, I am old, and I do not know the day of my death. So what we're saying is we're seeing the setting up of the stage that Esau, or excuse me, Isaac knows it's coming. That is, the end of his days are coming, he just doesn't know when. So there's something of, I'll say it this way, there's something of a rush in his heart and mind to get the estate done and dealt with. Um, and so what we see as we see the whole conversation in 27 happen is Isaac calls in Esau, tells him he's going to bless him, the blessing of the oldest, which is again, a, a typical, it's not ritualistic in the sense that it's just mundane and doesn't mean anything, but it's normal in the realities of an early Israel family that they are Jewish family, that they would bless the oldest and, and sort of proclaim their life for going forward and quote unquote, set them up uh, with a blessing. And so he said, go and, and kill some animals and bring me my favorite meal, essentially, you know. Uh, and so what we see happen is, and it plays out if you read it, chapter 27, it plays out that Rebecca overhears this, whether she's in the room, whether she's purposely eavesdropping, we're not really told, but she hears this. 
And then she concocts this plan to run to Jacob and say, here's what your father just told Esau, go get some animals from our stock, bring them back, I'll make his favorite meal, and then you'll go in and and uh, give him your meal and he'll bless you instead of Esau. So, which is kind of a big deal, and we talked a little bit about this yesterday, that first of all, when you read the story, there is no... Um, there's, there's nothing made about it. So when you read the scriptures and you come across this story, there is no indictment or celebration of the story. There's just simply what happens. So it's not like God, you know, condoned this or didn't. It's just simply the narrator or, you know, the author is just simply stating what happened. And what ends up happening is, fast forward, is Esau covers his, because if, again, if you read in 25, uh, Esau comes out and he's the hairier of the two kids. And in fact, after Jake, after Rebecca tells Jacob to go and to get the animal and go in and deceive his father, he's like, well, what if he figures out I'm not Esau because I'm not as hairy? Like, that's the first thought that came to his mind. So they covered his arms and skin and put on, it sounds like they put on Esau's clothes so he smelled like him. And and all of this goes, goes on and, and on. And ultimately what we see happen in verses... Uh, 27 through 29 of Genesis 27 is the blessing from Isaac to Jacob. And then it says this, it says, so he came near uh, Isaac and Jacob. So he came near and kissed him and Isaac smelled and smelled of his garments and blessed him and said, see the smell of my son is as the smell of the field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you the day of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. So if you hold the two, the blessing and the prophecy up side by side, you're seeing it unfold. So this is ultimately the culmination of the birthright, to use that word from the previous text, being laid upon Jacob and Jacob now taking his, Esau's place in the order of God's design as far as Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. See, and here, here's another little interesting point, too, that I just kind of like to raise up, too. So, again, the, again, the prophecy from chapter 25, as you said before, two nations enter in your womb, two peoples are divided within you and shall be divided. Uh, the one shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. Now, we, we fast forward to 27. This prophecy has been fulfilled. And... In my mind, this is maybe this is just me, or maybe this is you too as a listener. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute, isn't this little trickery and bribery a little bit <laughs> heinous and maybe sinful a little bit too? Um, I don't know if there's anything that we can touch on with that, but is there something that we can touch on with that and call it a sin? Maybe pro- all prophecies aside uh, from God and all that. Would this be considered as a sin, or even with the prophecy, is this considered as such? Well, it's certainly considered deception and probably a lie. But the interesting thing is, and I just was reading commentator, and I, I'm not putting a lot of weight in this. He just made the observation that we don't actually, we aren't actually told not to lie until Exodus. Interesting. With the Ten Commandments. Interesting. So I'm not saying that's permissive. I'm saying that's just a 
point. So, you know, it just was an interesting comment from a commentator. So, which is what they do. But, you know, certainly it's deception. And, you know, certainly that's not right. But here's the thing that I think we need to keep back to coming back to what we talked about yesterday. The big idea of the series, it doesn't matter how you start, it's how you finish. Our screw-ups don't surprise God. So what's interesting is we see in Jacob, now essentially he's going along with the plan, but he throws up an obstacle to the plan. So it's not like he's totally bought in or totally bought out. You know, he, he you know, Rebecca lay out, mom outlines the plan and he says, well, what if about this? So, you know, there is essentially the going with the plan, but there's also this, what you could read, the certainly trepidation, certainly fear. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's what's interesting for us is because I think as we try and apply this to us and what does this look like for us, how does this apply to our lives? I think first and foremost is it matters who you surround yourself with. And I'm not saying Jacob should have ignored his mother, but I'm saying it matters who we surround ourselves with and it matters what we allow them to speak into our lives. And, you know, because there will be people tell you the things that aren't the best for you that might lead you to make poor choices and poor decisions and, and you know, ultimately failures in your life. But what I think God ultimately shows us through the story of Jacob, and it's worth, you'll hear it probably the entire series, is that just because you make a mistake doesn't mean you are a mistake. You know, and just because you make a poor choice doesn't mean you're, you're unable to be chosen. And, you know, here's Jacob. So again, with the prophecy, God knew how it's going to end. So it's interesting to me that God declares himself to be the Alpha and the Omega, which are the beginning and the end. If you, you know, in the Greek alphabet, Alpha is the first letter, Omega is the last letter. So it's the idea of I am the beginning of the end. I, I know the beginning from the end. I know the end and I know the beginning. So the deception of, of Isaac was not a surprise to God. And he had had the plan. He knew the plan. He knew how it was going to play out. And so he begins to lay the prophecy of that out. Now, the question could be had, well, if he hadn't prophesied, would she have done this? Those are bigger questions than we have time for. And I have knowledge for. But... You know, the point being, our mistakes, our choices don't surprise God. The question is, what are we doing so that we can avoid those mistakes or those questions? Um, see, like, there's a, there's a common, even in the church world, I think, those who would claim to know Christ and be in church and follow, there's, there's the common reality that we think it's about what we do that justifies us when it actually we aren't because of what we've done. We are because of what he did. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's the le- one of the lessons that we learn here um, is, is the, the, you know, Jacob's life is a continuing story of somebody who didn't start well but ended well. But if we look throughout Scripture, there's all kinds of those. David. You know, certainly one started better, had a bad middle, and then it ended really well. But, you know, we run to David and we run to the fun ones. You know, David, Goliath, you know, Scripture calls him a God, man after God's own heart, which is true. Mm-hmm. But stuck in the middle of the story is adultery and murder. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's not that 
mistakes aren't going to happen and choices aren't going to happen. It's that those things don't eliminate, once we repent and ask God to forgive us, don't eliminate the ability for God to still use us. And, you know, the question ultimately, in 27, 15, and 16, there's a great, I'll, I'll pull this out, but I want to read the text. It says, it says, then Rebecca took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which with her, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, the younger son. And the skins of the young goats she put on his hands, and the smooth part is his neck, and she put the delicious food and the bread, which she had prepared, into the hand of her son Jacob. So the smell is because of all that. But here's an interesting point of that. That Jacob was trying to be who he wasn't so that God could use him or so that he could be something he thought he was supposed to be. So I think the, the applicable part for us is, are we being who God has made us to be or are we trying to wear a disguise so that other people think something of us? Mm-hmm. You know, because the only ones we're fooling typically when we do that is ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a great quote by ancient, not ancient, but old philosopher Soren Kierkegaard this is with now with the help of God I'm becoming who I'm supposed to be or I'm becoming myself paraphrasing sort of so only when we surrender our lives to Christ are we who we're supposed to be and so Jacob's whole story in the beginning was this idea of trying to make it happen under this own his own plan and ultimately quote unquote wearing a disguise to fool everyone around him good good deal um and again, you know, when we when we talk about these these messages, you know, not again. I know you don't like this as much, but um, like titling, you know, our sermons and all that stuff. Um, thematically speaking, it, on ours, we I looked at it. It says "Encounter with God." Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's still correct or not, but <laughs> every everybody has an encounter with God. Even Jacob, and right. through these stories here that we we, we talk about. Uh, and, and the sermons that we we talk about too, but let's let's give our listeners. You may have done a lot of this already, just in this previous um, talk in part here. But you know, maybe there's there's some still challenges that people face. Uh, it may not be the deception end of it. It may not be you know just if, okay for lack of a better way to go with this. You know, we we kind of had had a little discussion on this uh, in a, a few podcasts back when we were in the I Declare War series with Levi Lusco. Levi mm-hmm. Lusco says, you know, if you have the mask on, you know, you're just hiding people from or hiding yourself from people and mm-hmm. even God mm-hmm. too in this case. So, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to pull back the podcast because you know we want our listeners to go listen to the podcast rather than recollecting and you know not listen to it, but. Let's kind of give this a, a hit home challenge for some people between the deception, between the prophecies. You know, we, we see all this. And again, as you said before, you know, it's not permissive to go and lie and deceive everybody because this is way after all this was before Exodus and we are way after Exodus. <laughs> so it is definitely not permissible. But what's a hit home challenge that we can give our listeners today to say, you know what? This encounter that Jacob has even with Esau and Isaac and Rebecca, you know, what's what's something that we could just take away, apply it to our lives, and maybe even share with somebody and how they could take that into their lives as well? Well, I think the big picture question would be, are you, are you doing and living how God called you to be? Um, 
I was listening to a to a message the other day by by a pastor named Michael Todd, um, Transformation Church out of Oklahoma, I believe, and uh, you know he was he was talking about this idea of of not living. I'm paraphrasing and probably getting it terribly wrong, but his idea was not trying to live up to our potential, but live up to what God called us to be. And he made an interesting point. And again, I don't quite know where I land with it. He even said, this is probably messing with theology, so I'll echo that, that Jesus on the cross made one statement, and his statement was, it is finished. And he makes the point, Michael Todd, makes the point that it wasn't his potential that was finished, it was his calling. Because he makes the point, he had the potential to call down armies from heaven. He had the potential from knocking Caesar off of his throne and taking the throne. He had the potential, he being Jesus, to heal himself and go forward. And, you know, he had all of this potential. But on the cross, it is finished was what he was called to do, which was be the sacrifice for humankind. So what his point was, Todd's point, was that our call is what we're called to do. Our call is not to try and live up to some arbitrary potential, but it's to be it's to live up to what God is calling us to do today. And he went, he made, he went so far and he made the statement he said the only way you will hear well done and good and faith well done good and faithful servant is not if you did everything you could do, but if you did the thing God called you to do. Hmm. And so I think that's the question for us. As we learn from Jacob and as we move forward, are we doing what God has called us to do? Are we being who God has called us to be? Not what we could be, but in this season, whatever that means for each of us, are we being what God has called us to be? You know, and and again, I'm not trying to put more words in our mouths and everything, but that's actually kind of a, I don't want to say the theology was messed up, but it does mess with you a little bit because... um, Again, I know we're talking about Jacob here in this whole story, but you can see parallels with all these stories within Genesis, within all the Old Testament books and the prophecies leading up to Jesus. And for me, you know, I I love that statement that, you know, it's not that his potential was finished. It was his calling. And, you know, if you look at his his calling uh, or excuse me, his 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 uh, words pretty much to the disciples, you know, when he's ascended into heaven, mm-hmm. you know, Jesus is saying, hey, there's still potential here. Mm-hmm. So watch out. <laughs> um, and, and, and that's where I can really, you know, kind of lead that conversation to kind of close. But well, I think I, you still got something more well, going here. Well, I think it's important to, to kind of think about and realize that almost nobody in the scriptures, I'm sure there's somebody that's just not coming to mind fulfilled their quote-unquote potential. You know, I think they accomplished what God called them to do. Mm-hmm. But Moses was called to lead people to the promised land. It's interesting, and I'd have to go back and read it to make sure of this. But to my recollection, I don't think he was called to lead people into the promised land. I think he was, I think the statement was, you will, you will, You'll rescue my people from Egypt, and you will lead my people to the promised land. Again, I would have to go back and look, so don't necessarily quote me on that. But if my memory serves me right, his call was to the promised land. His potential was into. But he never went in. 
There was failures, there was mistakes, there was all that, but he still accomplished his call. And we read in Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 11, there's just a ton of, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called out of, to a place that he was receive his inheritance. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea on dry land. You know, there's all this by faith people did, all faith. So from, Gen- from Hebrews 11.2 down to about 11, thir- uh, verse 12, it's one person after another. It's kind of mm-hmm. what those in church world call the hall of faith because we're creative like that. <laughs> Um, you know, but it's this, it is, it's this list of people, heroes from the Bible, people who did great things. But verse 13 says a huge thing. It says, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. So here's the thing. It's not that God is mean. It's that they didn't, we see that as potential, failed potential. God sees that as a, as an achieved call. Or a fulfilled call is probably the better way of saying it. So for us, we all have the potential to do X, Y, and Z. But that's not the point. The point is, are we doing what God has called us to do? Are we being who God has called us to be? Are we being that good neighbor to the person across the street? Are we being that coworker that is valuable in the workforce? Are we being that boss that is benevolent and points people to Jesus? Are we being the fill-in-the-blank? Not could we be, but are we? Could we be is a whole lot of whole bigger list. The are we being is the is the bigger question because God has a specific plan and a specific purpose for each and every one of us. And if we're always chasing the could be, we'll never fulfill the should be. Hmm. Good deal. And again, uh, I quote Jesus: "Well done, good and faithful servant, Pastor Chip." I appreciate that. Um, no, and again, like again, if you were listening to this and, and you were just ultimately blessed by this conversation, um, and you have any thoughts that you would love to share with us, uh, we'd love for you to share those with us at podcast at ccohonline.org. And again, we'd love to hear your thoughts. We'd love for you to be a part of our conversation and even help drive some of this conversation that we have too. Um, Again, you know, we, we, we talk on we're we're gonna continue in the Jacob series next week. Um just maybe give us like if you could, Pastor Chip, a thirty second rundown of, you know, what is next coming up for Jacob and what can really, you know, how can we be blessed again, not only by your talks, but again through Jacob's ta- uh story here. Well, tomorrow we're gonna look at an interesting or tomorrow. Huh. Not rushing this. <laughs> next week. <laughs> Not tomorrow. Uh, next week we'll be talking about another interesting point in, in Jacob's life, and that's the dream of the ladder going to heaven. Mm. And uh, so just an, another interesting uh, instance in his life and, and how that applies to us. As a worship pastor, I might play Stairway to Heaven if I need to, but I don't think we're going to pull that off. Anyway, for Pastor Chip, for Pastor Dustin, uh, I'm Pastor Dustin, I guess, not for. Uh, we're signing off here on the CCOH podcast. We'll talk to you guys next week about Jacob's Ladder. This has been the CCOH podcast brought to you by Community Church of Hudson, located in Hudson, Iowa. You can subscribe to our podcast at www.ccohonline.org slash podcast for the latest episodes and conversations we have about sermon messages and topics in our world today. If there are any questions that were not mentioned in this recording, please contact us by email at podcast at cchonline.org. Join us next week as we continue our conversations.